Judges chapter 2, I was sharing with our Sunday school class earlier this morning the burden that there is in hearing some of the things that have happened and transpired this weekend uh, with regards to some of the shootings and things that are going on in our country. And the truth of the matter is we are in desperate need of God's people becoming salty Christians again. We've taken a back seat in the last 50 years or so. The world has decided to influence the church and used to be that the church was the influence in the world. It was the salt of the earth, and we've lost that savor. And when I look at things like what happened this weekend, it's easy to point fingers and blame politics or uh, to blame uh, laws and different things that are out there. The truth of the matter is uh, I believe that the blame in many of these cases lies with God's people. And the reason I believe that is because we have forsaken seeking the power of God we, we used to have a day in our country where there were people who would come in and preach revivals in the city and areas of the city that were of ill repute and had uh, perhaps bar rooms and liquor and things that were going on would literally shut their doors down because there was nobody to come and, and patronize their businesses because they were all down at the church uh, getting a revival in their hearts and for God to do something in their hearts. And the whole country, uh, whether they trusted Christ as their Savior or not, many of them at least had pure morals and ideas of propriety. Now we live in a civilization that, to be honest with you, I feel like they've lost their minds. They are, they are given. Uh, the Bible talks about, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And the time of Noah, it speaks that man's imaginations were only evil continually. Everything they thought about from the moment they woke up until they went to bed was evil thoughts. And here we're facing a generation in a society that has given itself to wickedness and idolatry and, and, and uh, all of the... You say, Brother Greg, here in America, yes. Yes, we, we idolize sports heroes and we idolize uh, pop stars and movie stars and we idolize uh, people with affluence and people with uh, influence we hold them up to our young people and we let them think that this is the way that, that uh, is successful in life. And God's people need to rise up again and become some salty Christians. And we're in desperate need of that, folks. There need to be some folks that will stand up and say, I'll be the light. I'll be the candle that's set on a candlestick. I'll be the one that, that will shine the light of the Bible, the truth of God's Word. And oh, we are in need of Christians to quit playing church. To just quit dabbling in, in religion and get a hold of the truth of the power of the Holy Spirit of God working in us and through us. That we would saturate ourselves with the Word of God and say, Lord, I want to be used of you. I want to be somebody that can be, make a difference in this world. Because we're living in a world that desperately needs it. And I'll tell you, I get so frustrated and agitated when I hear things like what's happened this past weekend. But I'll tell you real honest with you, I blame, I blame the apathy of God's people in general. We have not held forth the standard of God's Word. We have backed down. We've allowed it to be influenced. We've, we've gotten so bad that we begin to bring things that the world has into the church. 
used to be when we came to the church, we would learn about God and we would take God and all of His truths and all of His principles and we would go out of the buildings and out of the meeting halls into the highways and the hedges and we would go everywhere we could preaching the gospel. Nowadays we attend church because it's our Christian duty. There needs to be a revival of God's people standing up once again. And saying as Joshua did, I know not what course others may take, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want us to consider those things. That's not the message this morning, so you got that one for free, okay? If you didn't like it, I'll give you your money back. Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. Let me give you a little bit of background. We'll begin reading in verse 1 in just a moment. The nation of Israel was delivered from uh, the Egyptians uh, under the leadership of uh, Moses and Aaron. And we know the story how that for 40 years God made them wander in the wilderness because they had doubted Him at the time that He wanted to bring them into the land of Canaan. God has promised them this land. The land was overflowing with milk and honey, but there also were giants in the land. And some of the spies came back and told them, They didn't think that they could win. And so God sends them out into the wilderness for another 40 40 years to wander. And God never allows Moses to go into the promised land. As faithful as Moses was, there were some things that he had disobeyed God on. And God said, because of those things, I'm not going to allow you to go into the promised land. And so he gives the torch. He passes the torch to a young man by the name of Joshua. And we all know the story of Joshua how he takes them across the Jordan River and into Canaan and they fight um, Ai and they fight Jericho and they begin to uh, start driving out. And God's command was, I want you to drive out all of the inhabitants of the land which I have given you. And every person in the, in the Israel uh, uh, nation at the time and whatever tribe they were from uh, began to settle in geographical locations in the land that God had promised them and their their responsibility according to God was to drive out all of the inhabitants and we'll kind of pick up reading now in verse number chapter number two verse number one and the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said I made you go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers and I said I will never break my covenant with you And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars. But ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you. But they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of the place Bochum. And they sacrificed there unto the Lord. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works. Now notice this statement. 
who had seen all the great works of the Lord. And he did that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Harris in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, and served Baal and Ashtaroth. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Father, we pray that you bless the message this morning. May we learn from the mistakes of others that we would not soon repeat them. May the Holy Spirit work in our hearts and open our eyes that we may see the day in which we live. Father, that we would even examine our own hearts and our own lives. Father, see if there be any wicked way in us. Lord, if we would be able to understand and to see all that you would want in our lives. May we not soon forget you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We find in the early part of this chapter that Joshua is challenging and encouraging the people of the nation of Israel. And for a while, at least while Joshua was alive, the Bible says that the people were were following the Lord in verse number 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. But then a day comes when Joshua dies and the elders begin to die off. And by the way, as I look across our church, the truth is we got a lot of gray hair in our church, don't we? But there's a generation that is coming in behind us. And while we may say we have lived for the Lord and we have held to the things of the Lord, what are we doing to prepare the generation after us? What are we doing to help bear the salt in the world that we live in today that our young people and our children and our children's children will have a Christian nation that they can grow up in and raise their families in. And one of the sad facts of the matter as we read down through this passage is to see how many of these folks that had seen the mighty hand of God do things in their lives 
to raise up the generation after them that the Bible refers to in verse number 10. And also all the generation were gathered unto their fathers and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. We live in a day, and I'll be real frank with you on this, that we lose more young people out of our churches when they graduate from high school. And it's almost at, at, at epidemic proportions where, where more and more we're seeing young people raised in church, and when they get out and they go to college and they begin to raise their own family, they begin to drop out of church. They do not seek after the Lord. In fact, they go about living their lives and enjoying the things that life has to give. They've been raised in godly homes where mom and dad have seen God's mighty hand at work. If we were to go around the room this morning, so many could give testimony in their past life of how many times God's provident hand has been such a blessing to them. Then why is it that our young people do not know Him? On April 5th, 1993, Time Magazine came out with a a cover article is on the cover of their magazine. You can go find the back issue and see it there. The title headline, speaking of the baby boomer generation, the title headline was this, The Generation That Forgot God. We look at that and we say, what a tragedy. What a tragedy that our young people would not know God. But the truth is, the failure was not upon the children. The failure was upon the godly generation. That baby boomer generation, many of us are part of. They've raised a generation. And that generation has now raised a generation. Three generations removed from the one that forgot God. And then we look at things like what happened this week. And we wonder what happened? Where did we go wrong that our society thinks that it's fine to kill and murder little innocent babies out of the womb? Where did we go wrong when we feel that all of a sudden it's okay that, that people go against the, the nature that God has created them to be and go against what God has made them to be and call themselves something that they are not? What's gone wrong? We, we, we live in a generation where parents are becoming too accepting of these things with their children. They're getting to the place where we say, you know what, it's okay. The, the homosexual movement is okay for my kids to be exposed to. We say it's okay that my kids are exposed to a society that will murder innocent babies. It's okay. And we stand idly by and watch it happen. And we raise a generation after us 
that know not the Lord. Or his wonderful works. And they're paying the price for it. Notice with me, if you will, verse number 11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. I want you to notice the next three words. And served Balaam. Well, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Stop right there a minute. Why are they serving Balaam? How do they even know about this? When God brought the children of Israel into the promised land, He said, I want you to take and drive out all of the inhabitants. I don't want your children, I don't want your families to be exposed to those things. He even warned about it. He said, they're going to get a hold of you. You're going to follow after their gods and there's going to be some problems. Therefore, drive them out. Drive them all out. And as the nation of Israel began to get into their areas and they began to settle and they began to get comfortable. And by the way, I believe that's the downfall. They began to get comfortable. They do not drive out the inhabitants. And all of a sudden, my child is going over and playing with the neighbor child. There's an idol over there. They're exposed to it. They begin to have a part of it. They begin to see it. They begin to be around it. They begin to be comfortable with it. Before long, the Bible says that they did evil. Wait a minute. These are God's chosen people. Surely not. These are children that have been raised by parents that followed God, that had a great testimony. In fact, it was said of them in verse number 7 that these people served the Lord all the days of their life. They were raised by these types of parents and yet when the children come along, the generation after them, because they were exposed to those that should have been driven out, do evil in the sight of the Lord. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. You say, Brother Greg, that's that's far-fetched. I mean, here's some kids that been raised by parents that are following and serving God with their lives, surely they won't forsake. Yeah, they do. Which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, the gods of the people that were round about them. Can I tell you this? You can never expose yourself constantly to the things of this world and it not affect you. I don't care how strong of a Christian you are. We've studied in Sunday school the last several weeks of Abraham. Abraham, this great man of faith who's listed in Hebrews chapter 11. And yet Abraham lacked faith. He got to a place where he said, we're going to take matters into our own hands. God won't provide me a son. I'll 
I'll, I'll make it happen. This great man of faith. You think, how can Abraham, this great man of faith, do something like this? Because they did not drive out the inhabitants of the land. In verse number 12, they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people. Notice this, that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. Next Sunday, Lord willing, if God tarries, we're going to be teaching on the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible speaks of a lot in the New Testament. And it makes this statement. It says, just Lot, meaning he was a just man, vexed his righteous soul in seeing and in hearing from day to day the things that were being done in Sodom. Why? Because they drove not out the inhabitants. They began to provoke the Lord. They began to forsake Him. And I don't want you to notice this in verse number 14. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And He delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. What do we mean by this? Well, God had a plan. God had something in store for this generation. God had something for every individual in that generation that they were supposed to be, something that they were supposed to hold to. He'd entered into a covenant with their parents that He said will be an everlasting covenant. I'll make it with the children and the children's children and for an everlasting covenant. I will be their God. I'll fight their battles. I'll clear the land before them. And they forsake Him. Because there were some spoilers that came in. That spoiled the plan that God had for them. Oh, they were small things and things that they thought they could be comfortable with. I'm sure the first time it happened, an Israelite moved next door to one of the inhabitants of the land. And they said, we will not have a part of what they hold to. And for a while, and for a season, they began to stay separate from them. And over time, over time, just the small things, just the spoilers, Begin to work. And it's not long before mom or dad says, Well, I don't see anything really so wrong with my kids playing with their kids. Well, I don't see so much anything wrong with our family going with their family. And the little spoilers begin to creep in. It's never fast. It's 
Satan never comes and says, I want you to change tonight, today. He just says, I want you to, to just move a little bit. Just a little thing. It's such a small thing. Really, really, do you have to be picky about that one? Yeah. The truth is, I should have driven that inhabitant out. That inhabitant has no business being even part of my life. That inhabitant is not even supposed to be living there. He said, Brother Greg, that's harsh. No, God was trying to protect His people. But you see, God knew that as they got around those that had other gods, that it was just a matter of time before they would be spoiled. In verse number 13, the Bible says, And they forsook the Lord, and notice this, and served Baal and Ashtaroth. We see a contrast here between verse number 7 and verse number 13. I want you to notice the difference. We have a generation who has seen the mighty works of God. And they are a generation, the Bible says in verse number 7, that served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And then we find in verse number 10, there's a generation who rise up after them, who know not the Lord, nor yet the works which He has done for Israel. And the Bible says this about that generation in verse number 13, that they forsook the Lord and served who? Baal and Ashtaroth. Do, do we see the connection here? Those that have an eye and a view for a mighty God that's doing mighty things in their lives, this is the generation that came across the Jordan River. This is the generation that comes up to Jericho and marches seven times around the wall uh, for seven, or around the wall once a day for six days, and on the seventh day marches the seventh, and never draws a sword, and God conquers it for them. This is the generation that sees battle after battle after battle as they stand by and watch God win the victory for them. And when these people come and they say, we're going to serve a God, they say there's only one choice. It's the God that has preserved me. It's the God that is my God. It's the God that I have seen the mighty works of. But you raise up a generation behind them that do not know the Lord. You raise up a generation after them that do not have their focus and God does not have the preeminence. You'll find a generation that will quickly be swayed from serving the one true God to serving the gods of this world. They'll begin to serve the gods of social justice. They'll begin to serve the gods of tolerance to sin. You say, Brother Greg, are we to be intolerant of people? No, we love the people. But we must have a holy and a righteous intolerance for the sin. And we are living in a day and we are reaping the fruit 
of generations now that have made sin not so sinful. It could be said of the generation that we live in today that the spoilers have come in and they have spoiled. And they come into our churches. And they come into our families. A place that ought to be the safe haven. We have to work, we have to earn a living. We have to be in this world, the Bible says, but not of it. But when I get done at the end of the day working my job, when I walk in the door of my home, my family, there ought not be any spoilers there. When I come to Keith Heights Baptist Church on Sundays and Wednesdays, it ought to be the time of taking a breath of fresh air. There's no spoilers to fight. There's no inhabitants of the land that I have to worry about. And instead, what we find today are a lot of churches inviting the world in. Inhabitant, hey, why don't you come over here? Come live next to me. The sad thing is we invite many of them right into our own homes. We allow them to happen. Notice what it says here in verse 14. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and He delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And He sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Paul wrote, when we think that we stand, we need to take heed, lest we fall. If there's ever a time we ought to be on guard more than any other time, it's the time that we think, you don't have to worry about me, I'm standing strong. That's the time I've got to worry the most. That's the time I've got to guard against the spoilers the most. These things that don't seem very big at all. They seem insignificant. They just cause me to forsake God. They just cause me to get to a place where I'm going to follow after the mindset and the thoughts of the inhabitants of the land. Oh, they're not such bad people. They're good people. Nothing really wrong with what they're doing. Those gods aren't really hurting anything. In fact, they... Seem to have a pretty good life, and their gods must be okay. Maybe I think I will partake a little bit of what they're doing. Maybe I will go over and have that barbecue with them. Spend time around their gods. One of the great problems Israel has had to face down through history has been the issue that they did not drive out all the inhabitants of the land. When it comes to our homes, when it comes to our churches, let's bring it a little bit more even close to home. When it comes to our lives, 
Are we driving out the inhabitants of the land? Or are we allowing them to coexist with us? Are we sidling up alongside of them and saying, that's all right, we can, we can handle this. We're strong enough. We're just going to kind of coexist with them. They can come in right alongside of me. And we're losing the generation behind us. And then we wake up one Friday morning. We pick up a newspaper. See that another shooting has taken place. We pick one up and we read one day that a state has legalized murdering innocent babies. We begin to say, where did we go wrong? We wake up one day and our children that were raised in godly homes under the preaching of the Word of God begin to say, I don't even know if there is a God. I wish I could show my heart this morning. I'm thinking of a young lady right now. Early 20s. Raised in a godly home. Godly home. Went to Sunday school, sang the songs, went to all the programs, the VBSs, the youth conferences. The last time I talked to her, I asked her about some spiritual matters. She said, I don't know that I'm saved. And I said, you know, you can get that settled. And she said, I don't even know that there's a God. And I weep over that because I don't feel that it is the problem of the young people, the generation after us, that has led to this. For had the generation prior to this one driven out the inhabitants out of their homes, out of their churches, they would never be facing the issues with their children. May God help us to have a revival of driving out the inhabitants. You say, Brother Greg, that's, that's fanatical. Getting rid of the things in our homes that draw our hearts away from the Lord, our music that we listen to, television shows we watch, books that we read, types of entertainment and things that we do, Things that we think are harmless. No, there's nothing really wrong with that. No, but they're spoilers. 
They're spoilers. We bring things into our church house for the sake of getting a crowd. We bring the inhabitants right in with us. And we wonder why we turn out a generation of young people who know not God or His mighty works. I would love for it to be said of the next generation that this is the generation that found God again. I'd love to hear that the generation that follows mine, it would be written of them, they have found God again. That our generation would have done such a thing for God and for our next generation that they would see God and they would serve Him and they would love Him. I would hope that by my life, my example, the things that I say, the character that I exhibit would point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. The young people would look at this and say, boy, he's got a great God. I hope it would be said of you. The young people could look at you, the next generation, the one coming up behind us, would look at your life, your testimony, your message, your teaching, and say, what a great God they have. We need to get the spoilers out because we're losing our next generation. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed. Father, we're thankful for your word. Lord, sometimes I get so angry at Satan. For he is sly. He's done things no different than he did from the beginning of time. He takes that which is wrong and tries to make it look so appealing. Tries to make it look so good. We begin to get comfortable with it. Well, I don't have to work so hard to stay true to the Lord Jesus Christ. I can, I can give in in here, and I can give in there. I can allow this, and I can allow that. Nothing really bad about it. But Lord, they're spoilers. They will cause the heart of the next generation to depart from you generation that would never have dreamed when they were growing up younger that they would ever forsake God. They'd watch their parents. They'd watch Joshua, the leaders, the elders of the nation, in their pursuit of you. You'd ask these young people at a young age what their thoughts were of the Lord. I'm sure they would have great things to say never realizing that in a short period of time their hearts would depart from them. Simply because 
they did not drive out the inhabitants of the land. Father, may we have a revival in our churches around this country of men and women who do not want to be the generation that forgot you. Father, there would be a generation of men and women that would stand up and loudly proclaim to the generation after. We would show forth the mighty works of an almighty God. And we would show them the benefits and the joy and the peace that comes from serving Him. Father, may we get rid of the spoilers. May we do an inventory of our hearts and our lives, our homes, our churches. And find those things that are spoiling. And turn them out. Get rid of them. 